Numbers 12, verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only to Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, and that's why God used Moses. And the man Moses was very meek above all the men which are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall be uh, he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, <coughs> and he departed, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had uh, but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. And Miriam was, was shut out of the, from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people were removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of prayer. And Lord, please touch the reading of your word. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I um, begin looking at these scriptures, and there's a... There's a, a word that shows up over and over again in these verses and it shows up a, a lot in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and uh, actually 36 times from the time Christ or the, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt until our text here, the word cloud is used 36 times in your King James Bible. And it's used in verse number 5, the pillar of the cloud. And, and then it, it talks about it again in verse 10 and the cloud. And if you study the Bible any amount of time, I believe this cloud is a picture and a type of the Holy Ghost of God. And Brother Ben, I believe we've experienced that cloud this week. Amen. And I've I, I just got to give you what God's put on my heart this week. I, I, you can ask Brother Grant, I've been praying over this message for two days. And my wife, I've, I've been praying over this message for two days. And I just to be honest, I don't want to preach it, but uh, I, I feel like I, I'd be out of the will of God if I didn't preach it tonight. But uh, I want us to look first off at the delight of the cloud. 
This cloud was what God gave them for protection when they came out of Egypt. That cloud is what protected them from being scorched and dry. Amen? That cloud is what kept them from uh, uh, burning up in that desert. That cloud is what gave them their nourishment. That's where the manna came down. It came down from heaven through the cloud. That's where the quail, they came down through the cloud. That, that, there was a delight. Can you imagine every morning waking up and, and, and not having to wonder if God was real? Every morning when you get up, there is a literal cloud over the top of two million people. You look that way and past that cloud that's covering your people, there's no clouds. You look that way past that cloud covering your people, there are no clouds. And I'll just be honest with you, there'd be a great delight in being able to walk out of my tent every day and being able to see a tangible proof of God Almighty. But can I say more than that tonight? I'm glad. Hey, and I, and I like what Miss Kate said about even if they were there they could here they couldn't give her what she's got tonight I want to I want to say amen to that hey because brother Paul I, more than a cloud I can see in the sky more than a tangible visible thing I can see hey I'm glad tonight that the Holy Ghost of God is dwelling within me that the cloud is dwelling within me tonight I'm glad that when I got saved hey the, but John said I baptized with water but there cometh one after me and baptize it with the Holy Ghost. And I'm glad of the day I got saved. Hey, the Holy Ghost of the heavenly cloud moved in on me. Amen. The delight of the cloud. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost of God? Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, I've sat on that pew right there where you're sitting, Brother Dave, and with a baby casket out front here. And I don't like to talk about that all the time. Uh, but I remember a preacher preaching out of 1 Peter 5 that day of uh, the God of all grace. And I can I say more than him preaching about it? I knew he was real. Hey, because of what he was preaching. But I knew the Holy Ghost was real because of what I was a feeling. Hey, and I'm telling you tonight, there's no such up in the cloud dwell within you. If you're lost here tonight, I wouldn't put it off one more minute. I wouldn't put it off one more second. Hey, you're going through this life without the cloud. You're going through this life without the Holy Ghost of God. Hey, and I beg you, I beseech you, hey, don't leave tonight. Don't wait another second. Get in this altar and get born again. Amen. I see the delight of the cloud. But then I see the direction of the cloud. Would you look over to chapter 9 with me? Chapter 9, <clears throat> verse 15. I'm on spot read here. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, appearance of fire until the morning. Verse 16, so it was always. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Verse 17. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. And at the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed. And at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. And as long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was when the cloud was 
a few days upon the tabernacle according to the commandment of the Lord they abode in their tents and according to the commandment of the Lord they journeyed and so it was when the cloud abode from even unto the morning and that the cloud was taken up in the morning and they journeyed whether it was by day or by night they, the cloud was taken up they journeyed verse number 22 or whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle remaining thereon the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not but when it was taken up they journeyed verse 10 verse 11 the cloud was taken up verse 10 chapter 10 verse 12 the cloud rested chapter 10 verse 31 or 34 and the cloud of the Lord was upon them day by day when they went out of the camp chapter 11 uh, uh, chapter 11 verse 25 and the Lord came down in a cloud Hey, can I tell you tonight that there's one direction that the Holy Ghost is going to take you. Number one, the, whole, the cloud's not going to lead you contrary to this book. But the cloud, when, that, when the Lord brought them out of Israel, that cloud was a Holy Ghost GPS, amen. And it had only one, desi- one desired place that it wanted to take the people of God. And that was to Kadesh Barnea so they could cross over into Canaan land. And hey, Brother Gradley, I'm telling you, that was the only, that was the only direction the cloud was going when the cloud got up every morning the cloud was going towards Canaan amen when the cloud went down every night the pillar of fire came up the direction was still towards Canaan hey when they got up the next morning they didn't have to scratch their heads wondering which way the cloud was going to take them I'll tell you where the cloud was going to take them the cloud was going to take them to the Canaan land experience hey can I say tonight if you're you're born again the only place the Holy Ghost is leading you tonight hey there's direction in this cloud there's delight I'm glad that the only direction Mother Grant that the Holy Ghost has in our lives tonight is to get us to Canaan he wants us to cross over he wants us to live the spirit filled life he wants us to be filled with the spirit daily he wants us to live and abide in the victorious Christian life he said I didn't come that you might have I come that you have life but that you might have it more abundantly amen hey that Canaan land. There's still burials. There's still battles. There's still burdens. Oh, but I'm glad I'd, I'd rather go through them in the will of God than to have to go through them with it outside of the will of God. Hey, I'm telling you, the day they got to Kadesh Barnea and rejected the Canaan land, hey, they wandered, uh, didn't they? They wandered for 40 years. Amen. And I believe that's what a lot of people our churches are doing. They know exactly where the cloud wants to take them. They know exactly where the Holy Ghost wants to take them. The Holy Ghost wants to take them over Jordan. The Holy Ghost wants to clean up their lives. The Holy Ghost wants to take them to a place of surrender. But they spend their whole Christian life wandering around and bumping into stuff and wondering and worrying and threatening and not having any joy. I'll tell you tonight, the greatest life you'll ever live is letting the cloud lead you every day of your life. Hallelujah to God. I thank God for the cloud in my life. I thank God for the day. Hey, as a, as a 20-year-old boy, a 19-year-old boy, that the cloud got me in this book. I thank God for the day that the cloud got a hold to me and Brother Grant Hardiman. I thank God for the day that the cloud let me bump into my wife. Amen. I thank God for the day that the cloud hey, led me to an old-fashioned altar and told me I needed to be a preacher. I thank God for the cloud. The day that the cloud 
brought me to Bible Baptist Church. I thank God for the day that the cloud let me sit down right here in the midst of these men. I thank God for the cloud. Hey, that when that uh, August of 2011, we sat down at Faith Baptist Camp and never spoke about me coming here and me and you both ended up in tears. Hey, that's the cloud. That's the cloud. Amen. I thank God for the day the cloud let me meet Brother Ben Andrews. Amen. Ran me smack down. I didn't meet Brother Ben here first. I met him at Faith Baptist Camp. And some white-haired man that's full of God got up and started talking about the wind blowing. Amen. Hey, that wind's the cloud and the cloud's the wind. And I thank God for the day that he let me meet men like that. I thank God that he let me meet Brother Charles Roach and Brother Laddie Lyons and Brother Jack Pendergrass. Hey, the cloud. Hey, he's brought me some places. And if young people, the greatest thing you can do in your life it's just go go with the cloud. Don't go with the crowd. Go with the cloud. Hey, when the cloud moves, you move. When the cloud goes up, you go up. When the cloud sets down, you just sit down. The cloud will keep you from marrying wrong. The cloud will keep you from messing your life up. The cloud won't ever let you go drink. The cloud won't let you go fornicate. Somebody help me. The cloud won't let you dress wrong. Hey, the cloud, hey, it won't let you do wrong. If you'll just follow the cloud, you cloud, you won't have anything to worry about. Amen. The cloud will tell you who to marry. Because the cloud ain't going to let you marry anybody that's contrary to this book. <clears throat> cloud will tell you how to care, take care of your finances. Cloud will tell you what you need to spend money on and what you don't. The cloud, the cloud will tell you where to go to church. Amen. Cloud, the cloud will tell you how to raise your children. Amen. Hey, you'll be watching something on TV and something come across there and the cloud will go... <coughs> Cloud says, it's time to pitch up the tent. It's time to take up the tent. And it's time to move on. Hey, there was times that there was, there was places of plenty in that wilderness, but it wasn't the cloud's will for them to be there. The cloud wanted them to be over here in a dry area. But I'm going to tell you right now tonight, I'd rather be under the cloud and in a dry parched area than to be in the oasis of the desert and have everything I wanted. I'm telling you, it's good to be going with the cloud tonight. I believe this meeting to this week has been because the cloud wanted to move. The cloud wanted to sit down. I've seen God sit down on this place like this week like I had in a long time. I'm glad. Hey, we followed the cloud this week. Amen. Just keep following the cloud. Just keep when he says go. Just go. When he says stop, just stop. There's probably some of you young people and God's calling you. God's wanting you to preach. God's wanting you to be a missionary. God's wanting you young ladies to sell out. Hey, don't run from it. You'll be miserable. Hey, just go and say, God, wherever the cloud goes, that's where I want to go. You know what both Samuel was doing a while ago? He's following the cloud. <laughs> He's just following the cloud. Hey, his ways are not our ways. And young people, you could try to write out what you want your, your life to be, who you want to marry, mamas and daddies, what you want your kids to be, what you want the future to look like, but you'll never write it out like the cloud can. You'll never write it out like the cloud can. 
Y'all think I'm going crazy. I ain't talking about the weather neither. Amen. Amen. I see the delight of the cloud. I see the direction. But unfortunately in our chapter, I see the departure of the cloud. Verse 5, And the, the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud. Would you look at verse 10 with me? And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. Not that it lifted up. You understand in those other texts, Brother Dave, the cloud lifted so they could follow it. This text, the cloud went away altogether. Now look up here at me. I understand. I'm making a typology. I'm making an application. Once you're saved, you're always saved. The Holy Ghost will never leave you. We always have the indwelt presence of God. Is that right? But there's a difference in the indwelling of the Spirit and the manifestation of the Spirit. What we've seen here tonight has been the manifestation of the Spirit. What, what Brother Brian expressed about his home, he wouldn't be prideful or boastful. That's not what Brother Brian or Miss Noel did. That's what God did. But what he explained to us was not the indwelling of the Spirit or the cloud. It was the manifestation of the cloud. And some of you know what I'm talking about and some of you don't. And that's okay. But I'm going to tell you tonight, I want the cloud to settle on by. I don't want the cloud to ever lift off this church. That's what Brother Josh preached about the other night. He was talking about when he goes, he wants to know, he's glad to know he has a church, but he don't want to have to come back on furlough in a few years and wonder what happened. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen it, me and preachers seen it on the road. Brother Grant's seen it on the road. Church is on fire for God, Brother Ben. And then you go back a couple of years later and you think, what in the world happened? I'm talking about church is much better than ours. Church is much bigger than ours. Churches with much more programs and all these things. Hey, in a couple of years, all it takes is the cloud to depart. I don't want the cloud to depart off my home. I want, I've had to, in the past, in September, I'm just being honest tonight. This week, God has dealt with me about pride and self righteousness. And I don't mind saying it, preacher. But God has dealt with me about pride and self-righteousness. And God has dealt with me about pride and self-righteousness. I, I got a CD of this message. I, I preached, I've only preached this one other time. It was last year and it scared me to death. So I haven't preached it again since. But Brother Dave, I, I, I got a CD of where I preached this the first time. And I'm so glad it's not on the internet because I could hear so much pride in myself. And preacher, I'll just be honest, it ain't always like that. I'll listen to other messages and, and I'm like, man, God gave me a good spirit. And I'm not saying that boastfully. That's God. But I'm going to tell you right now, I've had a prideful spirit. I said, thank God ain't nobody else heard this mess. It was still truth, but was a bad spirit, a prideful spirit. Back in the beginning of September, we went through those 81 days of being grounded. And I don't know why God does that. I don't know why. I'd much rather just take a vacation. If he wants me to take a vacation, I'd rather do that. But he had us here for a reason. Eight hospital stays in 12 weeks. And I'll just, me and my wife, be honest with, with you tonight. We about lost our minds. And preacher, my devotion life, I'm, can, I, can I confess my faults to y'all tonight? 
My devotion life suffered real bad. There was no normal, Brother Tom. There was no, cons- there, there was no consistency in our life at all. And I had to get my wife by the hand at the beginning of September at the family altar and tell her I was sorry. Brother Ben, the cloud wasn't moving in our home like it had been. And I'd rather live in a cardboard box and eat saltine crackers than to not have the cloud. And you might not want to listen to me after I admitted that, but if you were up here and I knew everything about you, I probably wouldn't want to listen to you either. Amen? I don't want to do anything to keep the cloud off my family. I don't want the cloud to lift up off of my ministry. I want every time... I can't tell y'all how valuable this place is. Brother Ben could tend to stand up and tell you. Brother Grant, Brother Steve, and, and Brother Josh when they was here and others that's out of the church. I can't tell you what this place does for people that's been out there pouring out for weeks and weeks and it seems like nothing's happening and you go into dead, dusty places and dry places and the cloud lets you come back here for one service. I can't explain to you what a dead service does for us compared here compared to everywhere else. Can I get a good amen, Brother Ben? Church, I don't want the cloud to leave. But in this chapter, the cloud departed. And just for a little while, I want to preach on keep, what's keeping the cloud. I won't keep you long. What's keeping the cloud? What in this text was keeping the cloud off the people of God? The first thing I see is that a family issue was keeping the cloud off the congregation. You're saying, what goes on at my house can hinder what's going on at the church house? You better believe it. I'm just preaching the text. Moses and Miriam and Aaron were family. And this was a family issue that made the people of God not be able to go anywhere for seven days. This was a family issue that, that crept into the camp and exploded in front of everybody. And Brother Laddie, at the end of the day, it kept people in that congregation from going towards Canaan for seven days. You know how many people might have died during that time? You know how many people who wanted their whole life to see Canaan, but out of two million people, somebody probably died during those seven days. Brother Jeff, it was a family issue. There was a family problem. Amen. I, I, I remember, man, I'm getting in trouble tonight. I remember when Miss Chloe and I first got married, and we was living over here off of Forest Road. We had a fight one Sunday morning over milk. I know y'all probably don't ever do anything like that. Y'all are more spiritual than I am. She's in the, I mean, I, Brother Tom, I was... So I was fuming. I was in there sitting there eating my cereal in the living room. And she was in the kitchen slamming doors on purpose. Doors didn't even have to be open. She's slamming them. And I'd have slammed doors, brother lad, if I'd have been around any. We got in the car on the way to church, you know, real spiritual. Had my tie on and my Bible under my arm. Had my guitar, you know, just in case the preacher asked me to sing. Because I was ready. I was so stinking mad. You know what makes Miss Chloe matter? If I don't reverberate it back, if I don't holler and scream and stuff, she gets mad if I don't. Y'all don't look at me spiritual neither. 
You know them coat racks back there? They're good for halos too. They just hang them right up, right there coming in. My wife, I've asked her if I'd tell this story because I'm just as guilty as she is in it. And finally, and she, and she was fuming. I was a fuming, and she was letting me have it. I was just sitting over driving. And Brother Dave, I, I, in the middle of Forest Road, right about the post office, if I remember right, we was coming down the road in my Crown Vic, and I slammed on the brakes. I said, we'll go back home if, if we're going to go to church like this. I mean that. I told, and she'll stand up and test. I said, we, I'd rather us go back home and not go to church than to go to church like this. I wonder how many families come in here on a weekly basis at enmity with one another. Husbands and wives, it's got so much stacked up and they don't want to deal with it because we're spiritual lazies. And we'd rather just be mad at each other than to deal with the family issue. This church has been around long enough for this to happen. So-and-so get married to so-and-so's kid. And then all that bust up. And, and then the families think they got to leave the church where God put them. Or this family over here. I've been, listen, I was Baptist nine months before I was born. I don't know about anybody else, but I know about Baptist. Fourteen years my daddy was a youth pastor. And sixteen years he's been a pastor. I know Baptist. And I've watched where this family will get over here and they'll rise up. And they'll get this family. And they'll get this family. And then when whoever this family that rose up, whoever this clan, this family doesn't like over here, these families have to not like them. And then, these fa- and then, then, then they don't like this person and these families. They, they, these people that they've drawn in, it's a clique. This is, this is a church, not a clique. This is a congregation, not a clique. And these families, this big family gets together and they, they, they pull all these other, just a couple or two or three other families in and then they, they, you're not allowed to like who this family doesn't like. And there's family problems in the church. I mean, these two 13-year-olds will fall head over heels in love. You know, they're going to get married. She wrote, I love you on his binder at school. I ain't looking at nobody. (laughs) Preacher, these teenagers, they'll fall head over heels in love with each other. And two weeks later, they break up. It's a travesty. Y'all just pray for them. But then mom and daddy think that, that's, that that means that they got to leave the church because there's a little weirdness between them. That's silly. Family. Family. Or how about this? There's a young couple in church. I've seen this. Are you all okay? I, I, there's, a young, there's a young couple in church. They're sold out to God and they're raising their kids in the church and they're sold out to God. And, and the wife's parents are in the church too. And the preacher gets up and preaches against what the wife's mama's doing. And the wife's parents get mad and blow up, blow in and blow out. And then they put the pressure on that young couple to get their church, their kids out of a church where they need their family. And before you know it, that, fa- that young family's out of the will of God because they gave in to mama and papa. God didn't call us to, the cloud don't want you to please mamma and papa. The cloud wants you, he said, hey, if you, if you love mother and father more than me, you're not worthy of me. 
Amen. He said, I came to set mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and son-in-law against father-in-law and son against daughter. Is that right? That's that's a red letter. The Southern Baptists believe that. Amen. Brother Chris, I've watched them pull them out because of families. And you know what it does when that young family or that, 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 that family that's been in the church for years gets out because of another family? It stunts the growth and it keeps the cloud from moving in a congregation. There was family problems. Miriam and Joseph, or Miriam and Aaron and Moses. There were jealousy problems. Let me read my text. There was jealousy problems. He said, uh, verse two, and they said, "Hath the Lord indeed spoken only?" By Moses, hath he not spoken also by us? Now listen, I know this probably never happened here, but jealousy is a real issue in a lot of places. Well, she gets to sing more than anybody. Man, do you notice the young preachers get together? You notice how much preacher uses Andrew? I mean, I mean... What's he doing? Slipping him 20s or something? I mean, Andrew ain't that great of a preacher anyways. Why is he getting to preach that much? I'm, I'm kidding, Brother Andrew. You're a great preacher. I enjoy it. That Matthew Henry stuff, praise God. Shout on on that. But in all, in, in all seriousness, we'll, we'll make the cloud stop because every time somebody we ain't geeing and hauling with gets up to sing or to preach, we lock down like Fort Knox, and we wouldn't shout if the preacher was handing out $100 bills. Just simple Bible, jealousy. The Lord could speak through me too. That's what they were saying. Hath the Lord only spoken through Moses? Surely He could use me too. Not with that attitude. You know what, while ago, and from the honesty in my heart, I love Grant Hardeman. He's like my brother. And a while ago, when he got up and preached like that, I said, praise God, I'm mad. Because I didn't think of that first. I told him on the phone the other night when he gave me that outline, I said, praise God, I am mad. (laughs) But you hear me tonight, if if him and Brother Andrew, that would have been the only preaching done tonight and God moved like he did, you wouldn't have heard nothing out of me and I mean that with all my heart. I, I told you before we went on that break, I don't have to preach. I'm just thankful to be saved. Amen. Amen. But you got a jealous spirit tonight. I mean, she gets she gets a little attention and, and it bothers you. It shouldn't bother us. Do you realize we're all part of the body of Christ? Somebody has to be the kneecap. Somebody, brother Tom, has to be the pinky toe. Amen. Somebody has to be the earlobe. Help me now. Amen. Amen. We are the body of Christ and everybody can't be hands and everybody can't be feet. Hey, everybody can't be the arms. Hey, but I'll tell you what we can be. We can be a part of the body of Christ tonight. Don't be jealous over the hand. Don't be jealous over the foot. Don't be jealous over the leg. Just be thankful, hey, that you get to be a part of something like this. Jealousy. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Ain't that what Brother Sammy says? Jealousy is cruel as the grave. That's in the book, ain't it? 
Brother Sammy quotes so much Bible, I can't determine which is which. Amen. <laughs> Brother Wesley, it's cruel as the grave. I remember when I first got out here, started going to these meetings, and, and Jared Dixon, I love Brother Jared. I don't have any, I'm not against Brother I'm just using an example. I mean, he's better looking than me, and, and he's got a better beard, and plays the guitar. But anyways, that's another issue. I'm still dealing with this thing. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but it, preacher, I, he would get up, and, and he'd be used in those meetings. And, you know, I'd just think, man, I sure would like to be like Jared. And God dealt me one day. He said, I didn't make you, Jared Dixon. That's right. That's a good preacher. I didn't, I didn't make you. He said, I didn't make you. Play. I, I, he said, God, God got at me. He said, I don't even let you play guitar the same direction as Jared Dixon. He's right-handed, and I play left. That's right. He said, I didn't make you him. That's right. Amen. God didn't make me Grant Hardeman. No. I mean, I, I mean, the thoughts he That's comes up preacher. with, it blows my mind. And I told him the other night, I said, I don't even like preaching around you. <laughs> I'm serious, y'all. God didn't make me Grant. God didn't make me Brother Gravely. God didn't make me Brother Blake. God didn't make me Brother Dave. God made me Chris Hewitt. And if what I'm being is pleasing to God, I need to be that and quit worrying about what everybody else in the body of Christ is doing and let them serve God for the glory. Hey, it don't matter what the churches down the road are doing. We ought to just be concerned about the cloud setting at Bible Baptist Church. Amen. It was a family issue. It was a <clears throat> jealousy issue. It was an issue of bitterness. What is the, the, the verse starts out? This is just so crazy. Now, you follow my train of thought here. And I, know, I, I mean, my mind's kind of, well, it's there. And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, I don't know how many years exactly they had been out of Egypt. But, but Brother Gravely, Miriam and Aaron didn't have nothing to say about his wife when he was standing up against Pharaoh. But they, <clears throat> Miriam and Aaron didn't have nary a thing to say about Moses' wife when he was delivering them out of Egypt. Boys, Miriam and Aaron kept their mouth shut about this issue until they got upset with Moses. Until the limelight was not on them. And when the limelight wasn't on them, they said, well, praise God, we got to find something to be bitter at Moses about. So either they had just made this up or they had been carrying bitterness around in their heart for years. And it just exploded one day. And you'll hide it just for a little while. But it'll manifest itself. You know what? They, why do we have such a problem with things in other people's lives that God doesn't have a problem about? God called him after he married the Ethiopian. Now, I ain't getting into that discussion with you. I'm not, I, I, listen, I'm not getting into that. But I know God didn't say nothing to him about that. But Miriam and Aaron sure did have something to say about it. Why don't we let God deal with other people's lives? You know what we'll do? Somebody will bump up against us wrong and we'll hold a grudge against them and we'll be bitter against them for 30 years, miss out on Canaan, miss out on the good things of God all because we got our feelings on our shoulders and got bitter because somebody didn't shake our hand just right. Amen. Amen. 
I said it the other night. Bitterness is poison. And are you drinking poison and hoping somebody else dies? That's right. the, the, do you know bitterness is the only sin in the Bible that says it has a root? Was it Hebrews 12, I think? The root of bitterness? And mom and daddy, you might hide that thing. You might come in on Sunday. I mean, everybody thinks, I mean, you shout. You lift your hand in the choir. I mean, everybody thinks you are some kind of saint. But at home. I'll never forget, we was up at Faith Baptist Camp one time. There was this 12-year-old boy. Just I, I was in a crowd of young people. I like to play around with the, the young people. I tried one day at the camp. What's them, Miss Carrie, what's those boards they like to ride that bend in the middle and it's only got one? A ripstick. I tried to ride a ripstick at the camp and it did not work out good. <laughs> Give me four wheels. Somebody shout. Yeah. <laughs> I was up there with the, them boys and I like, I like hanging out with the young people. And this 12-year-old boy starts going off about a man of God that I know. I mean, just spewing out venom. Just spewing it. And all them other ears hearing it. Just spewing out venom. Spewing it out. Spewing it out. And, and, and before I stopped him, Brother Dole, the Holy Ghost dealt with him and said, he didn't learn that on his own. Mom and Daddy, I can tell... How you treat the preacher at home exactly by way that your kids treat the preacher at church. When your kids get cold on the preacher and on the preaching, I can tell you're bitter at the preacher at home. You've been talking about the preacher at home. Amen. Amen. You get bitter, it's going to show up on you. You might cover it. You might come in Sunday after Sunday. Nobody think nothing's going on. But I promise you one thing. Bitter roots produce bitter fruits. And it's going to manifest itself right here. It's going to manifest itself in these children right here. And you're going to raise rebels. Amen. You'll raise rebels. They won't want to have nothing to do with church because they think everybody at church is like mama and daddy and getting the choir and then cussing the preacher and fussing about everybody at the house of God and then they get in the choir and lift their hands. They think everybody at church is like that. But let me tell you, young people, everybody at church ain't like that. We preach Thursday night on what we can put our hands on. But it, it, it tears me up when God deals with them things I can't put my hands on. Bitterness will keep people in your family from getting saved. Bitterness will keep your marriage in turmoil. Bitterness will keep you from praying. You can't pray when you're bitter. You say, well, you don't know what they did to me. It don't matter what they did to you. Only thing that matters in your life is if you're clean before God at the judgment seat of Christ between you and that person. And I said it the other night, we need a lot more going horizontal than we do coming this way. Amen. Amen. You see what, is it Brother Brian Deets? Is that right? I ain't trying to embarrass you, brother. But the, uh, last night, you came down here and got right this way, and then you know what you did? You got right this way. Amen. And that is God's design. 
Please don't tell me you're right with God if you're not willing to go and get right with your brother and sister in Christ. If there's somebody in here, I mean this with all my heart, Brother Wesley, if there was a family in here that I couldn't sit down and break bread with, I don't even have to necessarily jihad with everything they do. I don't have to be their best friend. But if there's somebody in this building or outside of this building, I couldn't sit down and have a cordial fellowship meal over I'm not right with God. Amen. Amen. And you mark her down, it's going to manifest in our kids. You say, you don't know what they did with me. My mama didn't get saved until I was 18. And I seem like growing up, and, and I, me and her talked about this, and she lets, me, she lets me talk about it. But I felt like she got up every morning just to see how mad she could make me. And Brother Ben, after living in that a couple of years, you just start reverberating that. You start reciprocating that. And I'm ashamed of that. She got saved... And, it would, and she got saved in 06 and it wasn't until 09 until God, the Holy Ghost, revealed to me how much bitterness I had locked up in my heart over my mama. Three years. She was a saved woman walking in light that she had, growing in progressive sanctification and I was still bitter at her. And you, you pro, I promise you young people and I promise you older people, you cannot go any further with God when God puts that kind of light in your life. So you'll either rebel or you'll get it right. It was a family issue. It was a jealousy issue. It was a bitterness issue. It was an authority issue. If you look at the scripture, Miriam and Aaron are older than Moses. Is he the only one God's talking to? I've dealt with this the other night. But if you can't submit, Amen. I remember my mama used to, growing up, we'd go hear a straight preacher. We went and heard Ron Garris one night. <laughs> I mean, she was hot. Amen. She wasn't saved, all right. Yeah. She got home that night, and you know what she said, Miss Kate? She said, ain't no preacher going to tell me how to dress. And whether that preacher was right in how he said it or not, you're spewing out venom. And that spirit's wicked. Amen. Can I, t- can I be honest tonight? In the past six years, there's been two men of God. I've been probably been too honest tonight. You can rebuke me later. There's been two men of God that set me down and saw things in my life, Brother Dave. And they didn't scold me and beat me down. They sat me down, Brother Wesley, and they said, Brother Chris, this, this, and this, I see it in your life. And if you don't, if you don't fix it, you're going to mess your life up. You're going to mess your ministry up. And you know the first thing my flesh wanted to do, Brother Laddie? Make excuses. And some of you are making excuses tonight. Preacher, I, I wanted to make excuses. Brother Ballou was one of them. Brother Ballou sent me down in Florida, and he said, Brother Chris, I see these things in your life. He didn't rake me over the coals. No. He didn't beat me down and try to make me feel like mud. He wanted to help me. He had the spirit of Aquila Aquila and Priscilla when they saw Apollos and he didn't have the right doctrine and he had all that zeal and they set him down. They said, listen, you're you're missing some things and they showed him with the right Christ-like spirit and you know what happened? He became the uh, Apostle Paul of the second generation of the church. Second one was my pastor. I don't even know if he remembers this. 
He came to my he came to my house when we had the camper sitting there, the fifth wheel, and we was loading the fifth wheel up, and I'd said something, and and I, it wouldn't right, and it was off, and it just wouldn't right. And I don't mind telling you, he came back and talked to me about my pride. This was back in 2012. And preacher, you saved me. You saved me from a lot of things. And my, my, my brother Ben, when he started talking to me that night, my ears got red, my face got red, not because I was mad, but because I was embarrassed. Because the more he talked, the more I knew he was right. And my flesh kept trying to make excuses, and, my, and I finally I said, no, he's right. You got a problem with authority? They didn't like the fact that Moses told them when to get up in the morning. They didn't like the fact that Moses was the one that told them to go to bed at night. Ma'am, if you, re- if you reject the authority of your husband in the home, your children are never going to respect you. I don't care how long your skirt is. I don't care how much you read your Bible. If you are rebellious to your husband, th- your children are never going to respect you. They're going to resent you and not respect you. Sir, if you reject, if you rebel against the pastor, you can forget your, your kids ever having any kind of respect for any kind of authority in their life. The last thing I see, what's keeping the cloud? It was a spiritual problem. They weren't mad at Moses. Brother Gravely, God himself tells us in this text, God comes out of the cloud and says, I chose Moses. You know, when you buck up against the church and against the man of God, it isn't it 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 the man of God in the church you've got a problem with. It's the, it's the Lord himself. Amen. I've said it here before. You know why Cain killed Abel? Because he wasn't a big enough boy to get his hands on God. And your real problem tonight's not with the preacher. Your real problem tonight's not that person that's done you wrong. That real problem that's tonight's right. not with somebody that did, cut, did, did you sideways several years ago. Your real problem tonight's a spiritual problem. You've got a problem with God. Amen. God made him pastor here. That's right. Amen. Amen. And I'll tell you right now, if I've got a problem with that, it's not that I've got a problem with him. I've got a problem with God. Amen. You got a spiritual problem tonight? You're trying to blame it on everybody else. Let me tell you, I preached it as tight as I preached it in a long time Thursday night. And I believe we need that. I need it. You need it. Everybody needs it. Amen. But if you glory in what you are on the outside, God help. Miriam and Aaron had it all right. I mean, Miriam's got her tambourine. She's, she's dancing in front of everybody. Aaron, he's the. I mean, his kid, his kids are the ones that's going to carry. I mean, they're going to be the the uh, the priesthood. They get to go into the the presence of God. He's got all those clothes on. And they were the wickedest ones in the congregation. The ones shouting and singing the loudest. The ones that was carrying the very words of God were the wickedest ones in the bunch. God help us. I want, I want our church to be clean. But, you know, we glory in what we can see. Right. We glory. Man, I dress like the pastor's wife. And, man, I mean, I keep my hair cut like the preacher. And you ought to follow those examples and you ought to do those things. But, my goodness, that don't make us anything. 
Because we couldn't do those things in our own flesh. It takes God to do those things. I wonder tonight. Everybody else is shouting. It about got normal in here tonight. It got, I mean, and, and you know what, y'all know what, I ain't, I ain't belittling what we're seeing, but I'm telling you, three or four or five years ago, I mean, you could whisper Jesus in the bathroom, somebody would run a lap. And now we about have to, you know, somebody has to testify for about 15 minutes before we get happy. I'm not being critical, but preacher had it right, boys. You need to learn what these men are doing. Girls, you need to learn how to walk an aisle and shout. You ain't got to. You say, "Well, I got to do it just like them." Do it and do it like that until God directs you how to do it your, for yourself. That's a really good way to do it. Amen, boys. If you want to know how to testify, get up and quote everything Brother Jack says. It'll do good until God just fills you up. You say, "Well, I don't feel like it." Quit waiting to feel like it and just do it. I want the cloud to set on this place. I want the cloud to rest on every home. Brother Brett, Brother Lad, I want the cloud to set on your ministries. Amen. I want the cloud to rest on you and people know there's something different. Boys, whether God ever calls you to preach, whether you ever stand behind a pulpit, whether all, if all you ever do is clean the toilets at the church, I want the cloud to rest on your life. How about you? What do you want? I'll tell you this tonight. I know God has dealt with me. I know without a shadow of a doubt there needs to be some people come this way tonight, but I believe there's a lot of people that need to go this way tonight. And you, 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 can't, you can't be right with God if you're not right with every, everybody else. You need to go to that person that you're jealous of and tell them you're sorry. You say, well, they don't know. It'll embarrass me. Who cares? We, don't we want the cloud? It hinges on whether or not you want the cloud or not. Do you want the cloud on your kids? You just want your kids to be Pharisees and to grow up and in that bitterness at home and, and then not turn out. Amen. That's a surefire way to get them not turn out to be bitter. To be jealous. To buck authority. Maybe it's a family issue tonight. Maybe your home needs to get right tonight. It can keep the cloud. It can keep this church from moving forward. Amen. What about it tonight? Let's all stand. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.